This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it. And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Let's start out with this statement from former President Trump. Boy, this election stuff is getting very, very interesting. This is his statement from yesterday. The news coming out of Georgia is beyond incredible. The hand recount in Fulton County was a total fraud. They stuffed the ballot box and got caught. We will lose our country if this is allowed to stand. According to the just-released report from Garland Favorito and the highly respected voter GA, Georgia, in Fulton County, the hand recount was wrong by 60%. 100,000 tally sheets for ballots were missing. They duplicated thousands of extra votes for Joe Biden and fabricated vote counts of 100 to zero for Biden many times. Ballot batch sheets fraudulently showed multiple unanimous 100 to zero counts for Biden, as well as 150 to zero and 200 to zero. Are we now in a third world country, asks former President Trump. What else will they find once the full forensic audit takes place? This means Brad Raffensperger certified the 2020 presidential election scam, despite it being riddled with massive errors and provable fraud. This is what this proves what Susie Voyles, who worked Fulton elections for decades, suspected that fraudulent photocopied ballots were counted for Biden. This is on top of the 35,000 illegal votes recently found in Georgia and the over 100,000 obsolete voter registrations, plus thousands of dead people deleted after the election. Will the Attorney General of Georgia, Chris Carr, finally act? How has Governor Brian Kemp allowed this to happen? This is corruption at the highest level. Our nation is at stake. And there's more here from this press release from Voter GA. This is just incredible. This is absolutely incredible, but I can't really say I'm surprised. Are you surprised? Did anybody really think after the ridiculous reaction from these states and they wouldn't call the states and they stopped counting votes in the middle of the night that this was all on the up and up, especially when we know what Democrats do? We know who these people are. I never believed that that was real. Did you? I haven't met anybody who has their head on straight who actually believes that that was an up and up election. Now, whether or not you say, but Joe Biden has been sworn in, he's the president. You know something I try to reveal, I I, I try to imagine what would happen if the roles were reversed and you had evidence, hard evidence that Republicans were stealing elections and this kind of fraud was going on in a blue state where the Republicans had gamed the system. Do you think the Democrats would just sit back and say, well, that's unfortunate, but the Republican was sworn in as president and we're just going to have to make sure things are more transparent next time. Not a chance. Not a chance. I sometimes wonder why it is that so many people on the conservative Republican side of the aisle just accept stuff. You accept stuff. If you never fight back, they're never going to be scared. They're never going to have any problems. They're never going to have to have any accountability because they know the other side is just too tired to care. 
Boy, I hope that doesn't happen here. But going back to this press release from Voter GA, petitioners in a lawsuit organized by this group to inspect Fulton County ballots have added stunning claims in their amended complaint and provided new evidence from public records showing Fulton County's hand count audit of the November 3rd, 2020 election was riddled with massive errors and provable fraud. They talk about the team's analysis reveals that 923 of 1,539 mail-in ballot batch files contained votes incorrectly reported in Fulton's official November 3rd, 2020 results. And these inaccuracies are due to discrepancies in votes for Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and total votes cast compared to their reported audit totals for respective batches. Thus, the error reporting rate in Fulton's hand count audit is a whopping 60%. That's where President Trump got that number. They also talk about the voter G team finding seven falsified audit tally sheets containing fabricated vote totals for their respective batches. Something is seriously wrong in the state of Georgia. What about Arizona? Well, in the state of Arizona, this is from the Epic Times, Arizona Senate President Karen Fan earlier this week said that the 2020 presidential election audits ballot count led by cyber ninjas differed from the Maricopa County tally and that the discrepancy prompted the election review team to acquire new machines to recount the ballots. They hadn't yet released a number when she did an interview with KTAR, but she said, we do know that those numbers do not match with Maricopa County at this point. Jack Sellers, the chairman of the county's board of supervisors, told the Arizona Mirror he was not surprised by the claim. Cyber Ninjas has cycled through processes and procedures chasing conspiracy theories while volunteers with no elections experience tried to accurately count votes as they spun by on turntables. Elections experts from across the country have said this method is flawed and will produce incorrect results. The Arizona Senate Democratic Caucus pushed back against fans' remarks as well, saying in a Twitter post, this is a lie. Hmm. Well, when the Democratic Caucus says something is a lie, you can be sure it probably is true. So here we are. Then we have this little development from the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, who welcomes a U.N. probe of racism in the United States, because that's what you need. Critical race theory isn't enough off the rails. We need to get the U.N. involved. This is via the New York Post. The U.N., whose World Health Organization arm was just panned for its probe of the COVID-19 pandemic's origins, confined to guidelines set by the Chinese Communist Party, has been formally invited by the Biden administration to investigate, quote, the scourge of racism racial discrimination and xenophobia in the U.S., according to the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. As the president has repeatedly made clear, great nations such as ours do not hide from our shortcomings. They acknowledge them openly and strive to improve with transparency, Blinken said. Yeah, you guys are all about transparency. Bring in the U.N. That's a good idea. He said it is in this context that the U.S. intends to issue a formal standing invitation to all U.N. experts who report and advise on thematic human rights issues. Oh, yeah, because the Human Rights Council, there's a bastion of democracy and liberty. Go look at some of the names of the countries on the Human Rights Council. As a first step, he said, we've reached out to offer an official visit by the U.N. Special Rapporteur on Contemporary Forms of Racism and the U.N. Special Rapporteur on Minority Issues. You know, defund the U.N. Can we get out of the U.N. already? What a useless organization. It's just it's just absolutely incredible. Incredible. And I'm glad to see some of these big Republicans calling this whole thing out. 
Nikki Haley, the former U.N. ambassador, was one of them. She harshly criticized the Biden administration, according to Newsmax, for inviting these U.N. envoys on racism and minority issues to make an official visit to the U.S. She said it was insane. And she pointed out China has one million Uyghurs in concentration camps. Cuba is beating protesters and Venezuela is torturing political prisoners. Yet Biden's secretary of state is inviting the U.N. to investigate human rights in the United States, the freest, fairest country in the world. This is insane. They major in the insane. Have you watched Joe Biden lately on TV? I hope not, because it's not a pretty sight. When he's not completely confused, he's saying insane things. That You know, and the thing is, I think it was Juanita Broderick, uh, she of the Bill Clinton era fame, who made the comment, you know, it really ought to scare every single American that we don't really have a president right now. And then we have Kamala Harris insinuating that people who live in rural areas don't have access to photocopy machines, <laughs> except for Kinko's and public libraries. And, oh, you can actually buy fax machines that have copiers on them. It's not that hard, Kamala. It's a train wreck. These people are a train wreck. And to find out that now we're seeing the evidence coming in showing the widespread fraud that was committed in November of 2020, all to get Trump out of office. It, it just is beginning to become this big swell of information that may rightly form a, you know, a, a point at which the American people will no longer put up with any of it. I don't know what's gonna happen, but something needs to happen. We need to right this ship. There's a lot more to come, stay with us. I'm gonna give you an update on evangelical leftism. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a healthcare program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new healthcare program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their healthcare needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that offers affordable healthcare sharing programs starting as low as $199 per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. After taking the morning after pill, this mom immediately felt sick and nauseated as she tried to end her pregnancy. While searching for medical care, she found a preborn center where she hoped to rule out that she was pregnant. I had an ultrasound done right then and there. After hearing the baby's heartbeat, I instantly thanked God and said, may your will be done, Lord. I'm seven months pregnant now. I thank God every day for my little miracle. Preborn centers are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms in crisis to the life growing inside of them and sharing the 
the gospel in action. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. Will you join Preborn in the cause for life? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. All gifts are tax deductible. 855-402-BABY. Or there's a preborn banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Shall we talk about the evangelical left for a moment? I always giggle just slightly when the evangelical left, as if there is such a thing, rolls out its latest plan. I used to laugh during the entire campaign season when emergent guru Doug Paget was making his rounds with vote common good, trying to frame it in this famous leftist phrase of the common good. Oh, it's all about the common good. Yeah. Why don't you just say the collective so there's not any kind of discrepancy between people's understanding of the common good and where you guys are really wanting to take the country. Here's a story, though, via the Christian Post. Faith-based advocacy organizations have launched a curriculum aimed at helping evangelical pastors combat Christian nationalism within their congregations. Oh, terrific. Terrific. Christians Against Christian Nationalism, Vote Common Good, and the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty announced the creation of the three-lesson curriculum last week. According to his statement, the curriculum defines Christian nationalism as a framework of thinking that seeks to merge Christian and American identities, distorting both the Christian faith and America's constitutional democracy. Okay, so vote for common good. There's an orthodox organization led by an emergent guru. That's where you're really going to get a solid handle on Christianity is from these groups, a bunch of liberals and has-beens and people who desperately want to change the conversation and move Christians away from the Bible. Baptist Joint Committee Executive Director Amanda Tyler told the Christian Post that the curriculum was created in response to a webinar in January that they hosted called Democracy and Faith Under Siege. Who even watches this except talk show hosts like me to get fodder? I don't even know. Uh, Christians Against Christian Nationalism, Amanda Tyler said, received many requests from pastors and lay leaders for additional resources to use with their congregations to better understand and respond to Christian nationalism in their communities and churches. We developed the curriculum this spring and released it this summer as churches are planning their fall activities. You know, I'm old enough to remember when churches actually taught the Bible instead of leftist tripe. You know, here, I don't know what to, should we do the gospel of John? Maybe we should study Ephesians. Perhaps we ought to dive into Exodus or we could get a three lesson curriculum from a bunch of liberal activists and we could shove that down the throats of our congregations and try to insinuate that our poor people who have been giving their lifeblood and their money, their time, talent and treasure over the years to build this church. We could just all call them a bunch of Christian nationalists and scold them to death. That'll work. That's a fantastic idea. Sign me up. Let's find money in the church budget for this nonsense. Tyler believes Christian nationalism is at odds with a core tenet of Christianity, that Jesus Christ is Lord. What? What are you even talking about? 
You're just getting your talking points from the Biden administration, Christian nationalists. You guys don't even know what that means. You're trying to lump people who are patriotic Americans who want to save this country from people like you and trying to paint them as some kind of dangerous insurrectionist, which we know is ridiculous. And we know that, that Christian patriots have nothing in common with actual KKK members. All right. The KKK, when do you ever hear anything about genuine KKK activity? It doesn't happen anymore. But, you know, that doesn't stop these people. Christian nationalism, she continued, demands ultimate loyalty to political power rather than God and therefore can become idolatrous. If any people are idolatrous and and all about political power, it's you people. It's incredible. There is just this tsunami coming at evangelicals and it's been going on now for several years and it's with this woke nonsense and it was with the critical race theory and and the Russell Moore garbage that has spread like kudzu across evangelicalism not by accident by the way and you're going to hear a lot more about this by the way in coming days because there's stuff that's going to be coming out and we're going to be bringing it to you on what is really going on with all of this stuff but I'm hearing anecdotally stories about people in their churches They've had wonderful churches. All of a sudden, they get this woke nonsense from the pulpit or they get scolded as racist. I mean, this even happened to my daughter. My oldest daughter was talking about going to a particular church when you know at college and saying, all they did was say that we were a bunch of racists. I said, get out. She said, oh, oh, I did. I got out. I mean, she had the good sense to understand that that's just ridiculous and she should run out as fast as she can. And to her credit, she did. This is just coming at us full bore. Why? Why is it? Let's go back to some cuts. I've played these before, but I'm going to play them again. Some of them. Play it again, Jan. All right. Tim Keller, the co-founder of the Gospel Coalition. He's somebody who's always concerned about you conservatives. You conservatives are just a big problem. You know, you're just you're just idolatrous. I mean, this is Tim Keller who push the LGBT church audit. Oh, it's just wonderful. We need to ask people in these churches if they're sharing their children with homosexuals. Point nine in the church audit authored by Sam Alberry, who is an editor at the Gospel Coalition and a self-identified gay priest. This is Tim Keller. Just keep this in mind. This is Tim Keller. Tim Keller, who has also endorsed the Docent Research Group, which is under fire now via the Ed Litton plagiarism scandal because J.D. Greer, who he plagiarized, according to the videos that are all out there, J.D. Greer endorsed it as well. All right. I want to go to a March 2021 posting by Woke Preacher Clips, which is a great account on Twitter. If you can follow them, you ought to. Talking about this particular interview Tim Keller Keller did on Christian nationalism, and this was with Church Leaders Podcast. Listen to this nonsense. This is cut one. I would say for the last 20 years, the Christian right, though I usually would agree with their positions, I'm pro-life. You know, in other words, I, I, you know, that did not, I still don't think that same-sex marriage is a good idea for, for the country or people. Um, so, so I would technically be in, you know, agreeing with them, but you know how they raise their money for, for 20 years, they sent out letters talking about how you've got to send us money because the, 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 the gay people are going to try to come and take your children away and because they're evil and because, uh, and because, uh, you know, the Democrats and the left are going to destroy your religious liberty. They just, they just said awful things and vilified people. It's one of the reasons why so many gay activists now just don't want to forgive evangelicals. 
Oh, that's the problem. Gay activists won't forgive evangelicals, really. Let's go back to what he just said. When he's talking about the Christian right, to whom he refers to as they, all right? So he doesn't put himself in a conservative camp. We already know that to be the case. Oh, they fundraised off this idea that the gays are going to take away your children and the left is going to take away your religious liberty, uh, both of which have been true. Let's go to this story here via Breitbart just this week. Governments should exclude parents who oppose the hormonal and surgical transformation of their children, according to an article published in the Establishment Journal of Medical Ethics. When parents reject their children's claim to be transgender, parents should lose veto power over most transition-related pediatric care, wrote author Maura Priest, a candidate professor at Arizona State University. So, in fact, they do want to take parents away from their children and give parents no say in the mutilation of their children. Yeah, I mean, those crazy Christian right people who are trying to raise all kinds of problems and, and, and make a big deal about it. Okay, it's coming true now, Tim Keller. But the Christian nationalists are the problem. The Christian nationalists are the problem. Let's listen to yet another cut here. This is, again, Tim Keller back recorded and posted in March. This is cut two. Because when they were had a little more power in the 80s and 90s, that's how they raised their money. That's how they got people out. And weirdly enough, that's not the Christian way at all. The Christian way at all is, is you know, the way up is down. The way to rule is to serve. This is how Jesus did it. The way to uh, to to get happy is to not think about your own happiness, but the happiness of others. You know, the way the way to get any influence is to empty yourself and be a servant. That's Jesus' way. And um, they're not doing that. They're actually using the Nietzschean way. And um, I think what that did was by by for a long time, just keeping evangelicals frothing at the mouth about how everything is going so bad and making everybody so angry. By the way, things are getting bad for evangelicals. It's very possible. I, I am not in denial about the fact that 10 years from now, if you have evangelical convictions about sex and gender, you may not be able to work for a major university or for the government or for a big corporation. And uh, it's not that it's not that Christians haven't faced that other places and in the past. We shouldn't be crybabies. Nevertheless, having said all that, yeah, it, we, we nurtured this and Christian nationalists use that. And therefore, um, we brought it on ourselves, even though I agree with Perry and Whitehead that in many ways, the Christian nationalists are are kind of using us. Not so much. We we evangelicals are not all Christian nationalists, but they are using us. They're recruiting very well because we made we made a lot of our people recruitable. What is he talking about? The way to get any influence is to be a servant. Is that why you founded the Gospel Coalition? Because you have no money involved in the Gospel? Well, look up the financials on the Gospel Coalition. I think he's making okay money. But he's telling the rest of Christians, oh, the way to have an influence is to be a servant. The way up is the way down. I don't live that way, but you certainly should. And that frothing at the mouth, okay, conservatives were frothing at the mouth, warning about the gay agenda, warning about the potential loss of religious liberty at the hands of the left, and they were right. We brought the persecution on ourselves. You know, this is not biblical thinking. This is not biblical reasoning. This is leftist tripe. I'm so tired of it. You ought to be tired of it too. And if you hear your pastor talking like this or echoing this kind of nonsense, you ought to call him out on it and probably fire him. 
I'm not trying to be over the top about this. I'm saying talk to any Christian who ever lived through a church fight in the mainline liberal denominations and who has experience with this kind of fighting with people who think like this and talk like this. This is nothing new. Those Christians have some horror stories to tell, and some of them happen to be in my own family, so I don't have any patience for this. But these people who are introducing curricula now into churches, evangelical churches, to condemn Christian nationalism, which we don't even know what they're talking about. No, don't even open the door to these people. This is ridiculous. Let them go to the ELCA. Have some fun over there. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now here's your host, Janet Mefford. A constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. Liberty once lost is lost forever. The words of John Adams, one of our founding fathers and the second president of the United States, showing once again how wise our American forebears were and what a crisis America is in now. Liberty is a blessing from God and we dare not take it lightly, especially as progressives are more and more emboldened to steal it from us and lie to us about the history of our great nation. In fact, as my next guest says, the founding of America isn't the problem, it's the solution. And I couldn't agree more. We're going to talk about it today with Kennerly Davis, conservative commentator and a former deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia, who is also out with a new book called Revolution, a call to turn back the lawless left and restore the promise of America. Ken, great to have you with us. How are you doing? Janet, I'm uh, fine and uh, delighted to... uh be able to join you this afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's our pleasure to have you here. I'm curious, in general, what would you say are your greatest concerns right now about the power of progressives and the way that they're attempting to reshape the narrative about the United States? Well, the person who controls the narrative, the story, how we think and talk and and and, and reason uh, and consider the things around us and the events around us. The person who controls the narrative or the storyline controls the outcome of the discussion. Now, America, in reality, has the most powerful narrative in the history of governments and societies, a narrative of individual liberty, natural rights, rights that flow from the hand of God and not from the generosity of government, equality under the law, law law-limited government. It's altogether the most powerful narrative in the history of the world. And that's why the left, the lawless left, the radicals, the progressives, the so-called progressives, are doing everything they can to silence that narrative, erase our history, tear down our monuments, change our school programs, cut us off from 
the truth of America and silence anybody who dares to question their substitute narrative, their big lie, that is, their lie that America is a fundamentally evil country, a systemically racist country, irredeemably evil and one that deserves and demands, in fact, radical revolutionary transformation. It's the same old Marxist doctrine that has been loose in the world since 1917 and the Russian Revolution. Yes, that's right. That's right. It, does it seem strange to you, though, that you have all of these Americans? It's one thing if you go back to the Bolshevik Revolution and people from overseas and people who were from communist regimes trying to infiltrate and influence the United States. But what do you make of the fact that you have all of these young Americans who have been the recipients of the blessings of liberty and lived the American dream in many, many ways, all of a sudden buying into this narrative that America is horrible? I mean, this happens every election cycle where you have famous leftist celebrities slamming the United States, and if so-and-so gets elected, I'm leaving, and they never leave. What do you make of that, that you can get Americans to turn against their own country when their lives are so good by comparison with the rest of the world? As the founders said of all of them in different ways, and and more recently, President Reagan stressed the fact that um, a spirit of liberty, an understanding of the of the inestimable value of human liberty and the institutions that effectively protect it and the need to stand by those institutions, the Constitution, separation of powers, the rule of law, limits on government power. These things are fundamental to liberty, but they unfortunately are not transmitted automatically from generation to generation like um, our hair color (laughs) or (laughs) our eyes or our other physical features. We have to learn them. You know, Reagan said um, the challenge for a free people is that the loss of liberty, the threat of the loss of liberty is only ever one generation away. So each generation has to be retaught what it means to be an American, what it means to to be a free citizen responsible for the preservation and protection of the principles and institutions bequeathed to us by the founders. And and so that's the challenge and the problem is and this is the source of so many of our problems, the problems come from the fact that we, as a people, parents, for several generations now, have entrusted our children to formal institutions of education, to, to teach them what they need to learn to be productive individuals, and most importantly, what they need to learn and relearn to be um, citizens capable of protecting their liberty. And so we have trusted uh, the institutions of education and they, the formal educators, with very few exceptions, um, have betrayed that trust. 
and indoctrinated, instilled in generation after generation of American students um, uh, the false narrative, the lies about uh, uh, corrupt um, uh, the corruption of the founders, the racism, the commercial greed, and 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 all the rest of it. Critical race theory, yes. so-called. It's not a theory. It's it's Marxist dogma yep. dressed up for um, in racial terms. That's the latest example of of what um, educators are doing. They are raising generations of students to be ashamed of or actively dislike the country. That's the source of our problem. Yeah. Well, and it strikes me often that when you see, for example, all of the millions of families that are taking their kids out of the public schools because of the nonsense like that and homeschooling them, the the attacks of the left on the family as well are having a huge effect. But really, when we're teaching our kids about the true history of America and the wonderful ideals, as you had said very well, that America has the most powerful narrative in history because of our commitment to natural rights and individual liberty, equality under the law, etc., that there is a duty, is there not, of parents and families to teach our kids that in the normal course of training them and not leave all of this to the schools. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think parents, I mean, there are a lot of reasons, maybe as many different reasons as there are families. Yes. But um, there are a lot of demands on parents' time, but they have been too often uh, too quick to trust too much uh, in the uh, public schools or a lot of the private schools as 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 well to the professional educators right. and 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 that is that trust is misplaced and if there is a silver lining out of the pandemic and the school closures and it is the um, opportunity in fact the need that has arisen as a result of that disruption, the pandemic and the school closings, the need for parents to pay closer attention to what their, what their children are being taught. And happily, um, having paid closer attention, they don't like a lot of what they see. Yep. And, and, and uh, I think one of the most gratifying developments um, in a long time is the growing pushback, the rebellion by, by parents in school districts, uh, I think, all across the country. You're right. We're going to pause for a break. Ken Davis with Revolution. His book will be back on Janet Meffer today. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International, engaging the world with God's Word for more than 80 years. Believers in Africa are hungry to read their very own Bibles. Hear from Pastor Jeremiah in Zimbabwe. The church is growing very fast in the northern part of the country where Tsonga-speaking people and Zulu-speaking people and, uh, you know, we find that there's a movement of the Holy Spirit there where the hunger, or especially hunger, is very much visible. If you can imagine 10 Christians right now in Many places in Africa, on average, nine have no access to the Bible. Here's Lillian in Mozambique. We went to this church just on the outskirts of Maputo. 
uh, the church had about um, about 100 people and the, the only person actually who had a Bible was the pastor. But everybody else had never seen a Bible. And that gives us motivation to want to go more, to do more, to reach to as many people as we can, you know, where God gives us opportunity to go there and just take the word of God. Through Bible studies and resources that introduce people to Jesus Christ, Bible League is faithfully discipling new believers in Kenya, Ghana, Ethiopia, and many other African countries. Here's an evangelist named Joseph in South Africa. We were in a place called Mpumalanga. The lady there is about 60, 62 years or so. She literally cried. She knelt down and she cried. She never, at the age of 60, she never had a Bible. It is so much fulfilling just to see people like her rejoicing um, when they receive their Bibles. You can be the answer to a Bibleist believer praying for God's Word through Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa. $5 sends one Bible, $50 sends 10, and your gift right now of any size will help us reach our goal to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa. Call 800 Yes Word, 800 Y E S W O R D, or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. I've seen people being changed by reading the scripture. Giving a Bible to somebody is the greatest gift you can give somebody in life. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. We are back and chatting with Kennerly Davis, conservative commentator and a former deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia. His book is called Revolution, a call to turn back the lawless left and restore the promise of America. It couldn't come at a better time, Cannon. When you talk about turning back the lawless left and really restoring the promise of America, I agree with you. We have to renew the American revolution, not with muskets, but with ideas. How do we go about doing that? Where do you trust that we should begin where we bring back the ideas? ideals of America and instruct our kids and remind Americans of why America is such a unique and and blessed nation. Where should we begin in that task? Well, we do have to uh, reacquaint ourselves with um, the American Revolution. If we don't revitalize the American Revolution, we are going to relive the Russian Revolution. Yes. Uh, There are a lot of particular threats and challenges. I mean, this arises from the fact that the uh, the progressive left um, dominates so many uh, large institutions that define so much of um, what is transmitted, produced, disseminated, and discussed in, um, in um, our so-called popular culture and our institutions of education. So where do we start? We start with the, the founding and the basic facts about it, the truth about it, the, the fact that the whole of the American enterprise is founded on the principle of God-given rights to an individual who is, as a result of that fact, sovereign and the proper location for the government's sovereignty, ultimate authority in the people. Yeah. So I, that's why in the book, which I, I, I wrote as, as, as a kind of survival guide or primer, reprimer, reacquaintance primer, 
for concerned Americans who know in their hearts that we're on the wrong track to give them the basic information step by step, the Declaration, the Constitution, which was structured for the sole purpose of effectively protecting the unalienable God-given rights um, recognized in the second paragraph of the Declaration. And then to take the reader through some of the high points of our history where we have advanced as a nation, succeeded as a nation um, by, by not rejecting the principles of the founding, as is so often suggested today, but by doing the most we can and everything we can to live up to those principles. And and so one of the chapters in the book um, invites people simply and basically to refocus on the, the, the high points and milestones in the wonderful story uh, of America and its history. And it makes some, some basic, I, I think, common sense suggestions to help people get themselves and their family and their children sort of re-involved in the, um, in the American, in the American uh, story, yes. our glorious history. Yeah, you're so right. Uh, there are a lot of practical tips and, and suggestions in the book, and there are also suggestions um, how to deal uh, as a concerned uh, American with the progressives that dominates so many of the institutions that parents and other Americans have to deal with on a daily basis, the local government officials, uh, the congressional representatives, the bureaucrats, the school boards, and others with some um, questions, um, to simple questions designed to uh, force the uh, these officials, the progressives who are so often, too often, not challenged, um, because it's difficult. It it, it, you know, you're yeah. a, you're a, a, I'll say a normal person. It, it's not easy to go to a public setting, a meeting of the school board or the city council, county council, and raise the questions that ought to be raised. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they rely on that. And so I try to, I try to give some tips uh, for pushback. Well, you know it's interesting, uh, having served as you did as a former deputy attorney general for Virginia. Yeah, Virginia has been very much in the news in the last several years as a state that has just turned around. And you see what went on with Governor Northam and the comments about infanticide and his radical policies, and and even he was outed as having these terrible pictures in the past of himself in blackface. Nothing happened to him. Very far left on gun rights and so forth. What are your own feelings about Virginia and and where that might fit into kind of a rallying cry to tell the rest of the nation, look, any state could go this way if progressives get a hold of it? Yeah, well, I've um, I've lived um, uh, in Virginia for oh, close to 40 years now, and it's gone steadily slowly 
usually, but steadily to the left and from red to blue. And the drivers there, again, is a kind of a combination of the fact that so many of the institutions, the newspapers, the um, um, the, the government uh, bureaucracies, the large corporations and so forth are increasingly progressive because of the faulty education that has been um, doled out by institutionalized education for so long. Yeah. So you get this kind of hive effect and 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 reinforcing effect where the the dominant thought, the prevailing thought, is more and more to the left, and and they uh, they pass uh, they pass laws, give out money, give out more money. Um, so you get to a point, you get to a point where we did in the pandemic, and the governor, uh, like a lot of blue governors. Uh, instituted really indefensible uh, authoritarian uh, dictates yep. uh, in the name of emergency measures, and there was too little pushback because the people um, have, have, have gotten in a habit of not exercising their, their liberties, not questioning the officials uh, in in each and every public meeting. You know, yeah. freedom is not only a matter of education, it's a matter of constant practice. Yes. And people yes. take too much for granted and they get out of practice. They think, well, you know, my job's okay, the stock market's up, um, um, my, the value of my house is up, and they don't care enough. Um, and the challenge is, once you get beyond a certain point, when um, the programs are in place, the money is being spent, the dependency has been uh, locked into place, dependency on the program, the subsidy and the support, um, and the... Uh, institutions like newspapers that ought to press back are now staffed with a younger generation. You get to a point, it's very, very difficult to turn things around. We have, we have a pretty strong Republican ticket, uh, in the off-year, um, statewide elections, uh, this fall, but we'll have to see yeah. if they prevail. Well, that's an important thing for people to remember. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think normal people, as you have said, who are just living their lives and don't necessarily want to pay attention to what's going on around them in government because they're so busy with their families, we've got to pay attention. We can't just take our freedoms for granted. And I think, too, of what's been going on in Loudoun County, Virginia, and the insanity in the schools there, it's going to be more and more widespread with these progressives unless those of us who love the United States and love its founding principles and are willing to fight for our beloved country 
get involved. Well, you can do so by picking up Revolution, a call to turn back the lawless left and restore the promise of America, written by my guest, Ken Davis. Ken, so good to have you with us. Thank you so much for writing this book and for being here with us. By the way, thank you so much to all of you who have been supporting our Bible League International campaign to send 1,500 Bibles to believers without a Bible in Africa. You're making a huge difference. We're about halfway there. We still need your help, though. $5 is all it takes to send one Bible. Here's the number, 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there's a banner to click over at JanetMefford.com. Thank you so much. 